Hello, Chris here from Old Dirty Brastards. If you're a big fan of this podcast, you can support it through the ACAST support feature. You can give as little or as much as you like, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the description to support now. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to episode number eight of the Old Dirty Brastards podcast. We're recording all of these in a slightly funny order and getting them done in advance because Seb, our producer, is expecting his first child uh, and would like everything all in one place before he can uh, get stuck into being a dad for the first time, which will be amazing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've just pretty much introduced you, but you come as a, as, a, as a double package today, Seb. Not only is he producer of the podcast, he is also today's arranger of the tune that we're talking about, Riot Van by the Arctic Monkeys. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, um, pop on over to Spotify or wherever it is you, you uh uh, stream your music from, have a listen, jump back on, and then you'll know exactly what we are dribbling on about. Seb, hello, you are right? Hi, yeah, I'm good, thanks, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you very much. Yeah, so yeah, we're going to hear a lot more from you this time, aren't we? Well, possibly, I'll probably wang on a lot about my uh, my process and my uh, my influences. <laughs> um, I, I guess this depends on what order, oh, I mean, it's obviously going out in the right order, but you will have been on before as well about uh talking about other such arrangements that you've done because we've got others yeah because we've got uh yeah. it wasn't me as well haven't we as yeah. well and, and bad guy and bad guy yeah, yeah. so we've we, already talked about those in previous episodes yeah we talked too much about them if anything um <laughs> yeah so that's all good wicked uh right and then obviously in with us as well is the co-everything it's mr richard turner hi dicky how you doing Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, it's good to be here. It is good to be here. It's very nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess this will have come out further down the line in lockdown when it's actually released. But we've just had a good a good time and some good news about sort of gigs that might happen outside, which is quite cool. Um, that's sort of give a time frame of when we're recording all this stuff. So gigs might happen outside. So we might be back to work or kind of back to work doing Gorilla Geeks yeah. or something. And stamp duty, Christopher. That's good news. It is good news because <laughs> Richard and Seb are in the process of uh, buying houses. Um, and so this comes as very good news, doesn't it? Yeah, the government's given me a new kitchen. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Boris Johnson's going to come and put it in for you, right? Yeah, he's going to come in. Oh, nice yeah. one, Dickie. One, That's yeah. fantastic. Guys, you, I mean, Chris, you... You've got a reference that you're, you're recording this in the same room as Dickie Turner. Shh. Oh, we're not allowed to say that. Don't say that. Things allowed. Why not? We are, so, we are socially that. distanced. Yeah, it's very, luckily we've got enough room in my house to socially distance. So me and Dickie yeah, are that's allowed. In the same because his now. wife is as is, is is an important worker. Is that what they're called? Important? Key worker. Key worker. I think they're key <laughs> and important. Um, yeah, and she has come home from a day of nursing, and she's very tired. So Rich has come around here to record with me um which is good right and then next up swat 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 swatching switching roles um Try that again. <laughs> next up switching roles <laughs> to producer as we've talked about in earlier earlier episodes sort of you know johnny abraham's uh, produced four of these for us and barney has produced the other four so barney comes as a producer um we haven't got a video to talk about yet have we so just producer today how, do you, yeah. how are you? How are you, Barney? You right? Um, I'm good. Yeah, I am good. Uh, I have nothing. Oh, I had a uh, shed delivered today. That's the recent news. Um, 
It is sat in the garden wow. in pieces. That is great. That's um, great news. Planning on le- not letting my bikes rot for another year again this uh, winter. Nice. That's the plan. How big? Now. How big is this shed? Six by four. Six by four. Oh, yeah, room for a couple of bikes. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Finally, the amount of flat pack material that's been p- placed into your house. My goodness me. Okay, well, should we fill the listeners in here? Um, this may <laughs> this may change when we record our episodes in our weird order. Um, but <laughs> I have I have set out to build a um, a soundproof recording booth in my house because I have a nasty neighbour who. Um, abuses us through the walls um, when, I, when I play trombone or my other half sings and uh, I, I've just put the final touches onto the kind of the main structure of it like the door shuts and it is darkness inside and there's no there's no like foam inside yet but it's currently not working so <laughs> Oh no. Oh no. No. Oh my god, I've spent lots of money and um I have been building for about ten days straight and I have blisters on my fingers and um yeah, but I think once there's foam all within it, um obviously the hard surface just won't be able to reverberate quite as much. But um no, I've done all those things that I was supposed to do, I think, like filling the cavities with rock wool and blah 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 but we'll see we'll see we'll find we'll find out in a previous episode how it went (laughs) (laughs) Uh, dan west is back again for his second episode our lovely lovely canadian bass trombonist hi dan how are you very good thanks fellas it's nice to see you it's nice to have a little laugh from um from lockdown if people can remember what that was like in the future (laughs) yeah oh yeah it's all coming undone isn't it it's all just um, unraveling. Lockdown is unraveling, isn't it? Yeah. Well, hello from the past. That's what I have to <laughs> hello say. Hello from the past. <laughs> um, Would Tottenham winning or losing tonight, Dan? Oh, they drew, but it's just, oh. it's sort of, I mean, that, that's, that's right. true. That's true of any time. Tottenham are just rubbish. Man. Yeah. In, insert oh. template text here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, what was this? Dodgy. Oh no, probably. I, well, I, I would say let's not ruin it, but this will go out in a month's time. So. <laughs> Spoiler! <laughs> it was what just was nil. It? it was nil nil, mate. It was oh, like the mate, most. That's it was, the worst. It was maybe the worst, the worst display of football from both teams I've ever seen. Like I've I've never seen a more boring game. And I sat and watched it with my son, who's five, and just trying. He's trying desperately to get into football. Oh, no. And it was like, oh, why aren't they score? Why doesn't anyone score? He just wants to see a goal. It was, it was oh, demoralizing. Man. Yeah, I could imagine. As if we didn't have enough to be depressed about in this world. Um, Oh, and then sharing a same birthday as Dan West. It's my birthday buddy. It's my birthday buddy. Joining us for his second outing as well. It's Mr. David Hopkin. Hello, Dave. Hello, Chris. How are you? Good. Thank you very much. Very, very well. Any news for us? News? um, Well, a little bit miffed because currently Man United are playing. My my uh, my team and uh, did, I forgot to check the football schedule when agreeing to do this podcast. So, but I'll get over it. It's fine. Um, you can watch it afterwards. No one's going to bother you with could, the score. Yeah, I, I can watch the highlights. You can watch, watch it, now, it now, mate. Watch it now. Give but, us um, the uh, play by play. Dave Dave Hopkins, a glory supporter. Surely you should be supporting Berry Berry Town. Glory supporter. Like what are we on about? I support United. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not totally up to date, but you're from yeah, Berry. Yeah, I would support you? Berry, mate. But I don't know if you've heard, they don't exist anymore. Oh, do they not? Oh. Oh. Since yeah. we're all been salt in the womb. 
Ooh. Ouch. <laughs> How are all the athletic doing? No one knows. I watched the side of Iron Volumes. So, Dave, obviously, we need to sort of, you know, this is going to fill in nicely. But if anyone was paying attention in earlier pod, the earlier podcast you were in, what night mm-hmm. is it tonight, Dave? Tonight, Christopher, is bin night. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Every day's a bin night in Carsh Holton. That's the thing. <laughs> We've managed to yeah. go inside the podcast. All the Amazon deliveries. <laughs> Dave, it's Wait. mine as well. Way, <laughs> oh bin gosh. buddy, bin brothers. You got a birthday brother here and a bin, bin brother. <laughs> so glad I'm the. I'm so glad I'm the dirty old bin brother. bin juice going everywhere. Bin juice. Nah, shouldn't be too much juice tonight. It's uh, paper and card. <laughs> so there's a bit of food as well. But <laughs> look forward to they that call, later. Um, in in rugby, they call. Um, they have like the bin juicers who are like the guys that are part of a team that everyone really loves, but they're like not the best in their position. They're like in the team and always really mm. like up for it and really good, but they're like not not the best players. They call them the old bin juicers. Which member of ODB is the bin juicer? <laughs> well, that, that would be me. That would be me. <laughs> Without a doubt. What, what is it? Basically it basically the- means that they mean well. They, they, yeah, exactly. they, they, they're, they're like the life and soul, but they're probably not going to get picked on the first first fifteen <laughs> every week. <laughs> um, yeah, there you go. We shall say no more on this. We don't want we don't, we don't want to delve into who is the ODB bin juicer. Um, anyway, right? Shall we talk about this uh, this track, Riot Van? Right. Yeah. Van. Yeah. Um, hopefully, they'll have all gone off and listened to it, listeners. Um, an album track. It's a it's an album track from the Arctic Monkeys' first album. Go and listen to it on that as well, um, because it's not it's not a single really. Is it? it's not a single. But when we did um, the Arctic Monkeys' first album, um, this was one of the ones that got the uh, the Seb Philpot arrangement treatment, and it just got because it's quite a s- sort of slow ballady type piece, um, just about the drunk the drunk tank or the drunk wagon. Um, on a night out in Sheffield. And yeah, we sort of Seb came up and turned it on its head. And now it's like a fabulous jazzy musical, West End musical number, which is good. Seb, so uh, obviously it's very different than the original, isn't it? And um, tell us what you were thinking. What were you thinking? thinking? What are you thinking? What on earth were you thinking? Um, Well, I I remember uh, when we were, we'd first uh, got that gig to put, to do the whole album as um to the whole of the the first album of the arctic monkeys whatever it is that people like to say i am that isn't what i am <laughs> <laughs> something like that something like that the what first album crazy um, title. Yeah. and everyone was sort of immediately calling dibs on tracks um it was early sorry, on didn't have a, sorry didn't no, have a system <laughs> yes uh, so we were, we were all texting around um what to do and, and chris you I found the text issue. You said, I think Riot Van could be a nice little flugal interlude. Oh. And then I I was like, yeah, maybe even with some harmon, lovely textures, lovely big band ballad feature style. Ooh. It's only short, though, could definitely add another chorus. Would be epic on brass. Ah, oh, nice. Well, can I just say, that's amazing that that was the first thing that you thought and yeah. you, it, it pretty much that's how it came out. 
Yeah. So nothing's. So does what I tell him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I'm saying is, Chris told you what to do, and you didn't develop it whatsoever. Yeah, because it is exactly that. You've done it. You've done exactly that. You could have. You could have written that WhatsApp WhatsApp a month ago, and it's still correct. <laughs> yeah. So well, could you arrange good luck for us? Yeah, all right then, done. So, yeah. do a flugel one, do it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I just obviously was like, yeah, I get it. And I immediately thought of things, things like um, Derek Watkins doing like MacArthur Park, that kind of Ooh, thing, yeah. you know, where mm. you start off on flugel, it builds and then you end up on trumpet and... Oh, nice. You know, it's not, it's not quite in that league. It, it's not in, in terms of like his, his performance of it. Uh, it doesn't go quite as high. As, it's got a nice high plays, note in it at the end, though, hasn't it? For it's you, got, so. Yeah, it's got, it's got a high note, yeah. But, but um, your flugel but sound, isn't that quite John Barkley in uh, uh, London Brass? That fluty noise. Um, That's John Barkley, isn't it? Yeah, John Barkley does do a sort of flute effect thing. I think you're getting towards that in what you're... Yeah, I guess so. Um, the, I'm, I'm trying to make it as um, a very soulful sort of way of playing. I don't know. Um but I mean, at the time of just arranging it, um, that was that was the kind of vibe I was going for, that sort of flugally feature. So yeah, that's that's how it started. It's a little bit like uh, you have starred and directed and produced uh, a great television program for yourself. You know, like you are the, the, <laughs> the star of the show. And, and then you've done a uh, 10 year anniversary look back on podcast episode <laughs> about how great I am. Yeah. <laughs> Where are they now? So, is that when this is coming out? Where am this I is now? Like, <laughs> I've basically come up with a, a rebranding version of uh, This Is Your Life, produced by me, <laughs> and just inviting all my guests on just to talk about me. Except all your guests are you. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, like an Eddie Murphy movie. So then I, I thought, okay, so I, I, I sort of sat down at the piano and just tried to play around i was playing around with the first few chords that are originally on guitar and i just sort of played around with lots of chords but then i kind of um i hit a bit of a a rut with it i couldn't really um sort of a bit of a block i couldn't really get past it um and i couldn't come up with a groove i found it quite tricky i, I knew that it was in there um so i just sort of lived with it for a bit and I did this thing that Dave, you talked about this um, last time about when you get in the shower and uh, <laughs> let let things sort of ruminate in your brain. Um, but yeah, I want to tr- I want to chat about that actually because there is um, I did I read a news report this morning that there's someone else who does that in this world. Yeah, and it turns out that it's Kanye West, mm. oh, future president, of 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 president West. Yeah. Yeah, he writes a lot of his raps and tunes in the shower, and I thought, oh, no, ah. he does it the same way I do. Oh, no. Yeah. Rubbish. He sells a lot of records, anyway, though. He's so. very successful, mate. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. one of the biggest artists in the world. Yeah. 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 I think there's a lot to be said for waiting on it. Well, I think there's a lot yeah. to be said for both approaches, but, uh, uh, you know, spontaneity is amazing, and just getting something out there is important. And to get something done, because you can yeah. you can ruminate for too long on projects, whatever those projects may be. But uh, if you can ruminate to the perfect amount of time, I was thinking mm. this earlier as I was screwing the final screw into my booth, and I thought, <laughs> "I'm this has taken ages, but I'm 
I'm so glad it's taken ages because it, every day a new problem, like I foresaw a new problem in my mind that I then resolved because yeah. it was taking so long. It was like, it gave me the time to fix everything. So by the time I finished, like I covered every base. You sort of, you can cover every base because you don't want to do it and then finish it and then go, I know, I know we're on this bloody wood metaphor, but um, like, oh, I wish, I wish I'd done that. And now bloody I'll put it out and it's, and it's not got that thing I wanted to do. Um, so that's quite nice. Not that it's only harm in revisiting things as well, but. I distinctly remember um, I was cycling somewhere to, to, I was cycling to Bromley to do some work and. Um, TK Maxx. I was listening, yeah, that's right. And I was listening to uh, a podcast called The Comedian's Comedian, mm-hmm. which uh, I listened to. And it was an interview with a, as a Scottish comedian called Jack Doherty. He, at the end, uh, he was asked the question saying, um, what do you do uh, if you get writer's block? Have you got any tips? And he said, it's something which I already knew, you know, like it, I knew it worked. He said, I, I go for a run. I just stop it. I, no, I just go for a run around the park. And it always comes to me halfway through the run. So... I was like, oh, I'll try that now. So I just, I turned off the, what I was listening to and I just, like, I'm just going to cycle home. Like I, I'm just, I, I always, I hardly ever have nothing on when I'm out walking or, or cycling or anything. I'm always listening to something. So I just thought I'm just going to purposefully not listen to anything. And then by the time I got home, I, I had it. I just, I knew the form of the piece and I knew the groove and it had all worked out in my brain, which is which is weird. Like if I hadn't listened to that particular episode on that day, maybe, maybe it, it would have been a slightly different song. And do you think um, you got that bossa nova groove from the squeaky chain on your Brompton bike? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. That's, yeah. Possibly. I but it could be, I totally honestly, it could be that. that. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. The, the, the revolutions per minute on my bike, you know, who knows? I've um, noticed it on a couple of bike rides recently that you sort of come out of it feeling really creative because you've been humming to yourself or yeah or like or even just like i've just had like a bit of like bbc six music on in my ear and even if there's just like because obviously it's very eclectic music on there and, and sometimes you might just get some drum groove that goes on for two minutes without much going on and it's like someone's offering you a bed to to build upon so i'm yeah. just like cycling along and like adding to this and then i'm just like i've got this thing i need to write down but shit i'm an hour away from home and and, then, and by the time you get home you haven't really down and, and you haven't even got the voice note thing out because you were trying to get a really great time on strava and uh, something stupid <laughs> like that uh, yeah but it's it, it's a really and i think it's really indicative of our of our era that we were living in that like we always must be listening to something and actually yes i think the creativity comes when you switch off Oh, yes. that is oh, mental! That is mental! That is mental! For those listening at home, Barney's lights just turned off the minute he said, <laughs> said the end of that sentence. Wait, we're, we're, we're recording this. We can watch this back. That is, and it came straight, and then one, it's Simon. So this place is haunted. I tell you, Simon lived here, and he's not here anymore. Simon, <laughs> it's okay. I think we've got to stop there, guys. That's just too. Uh, oh, I feel so excited by that. A haunted podcast. That's amazing. Amazing. I, I feel like I need a beer after that. That was. Uh, <laughs> that was. Oh intense. my god. Okay, calm down. It's time to stop talking about bikes as well, now, guys. Oh, sorry, yeah. Oh, no. Sicker. It's a big show-offs with your two wheels. Wait, 
Mm. What's that? Oh, yeah. What's that? Dick, Dickie had his bike stolen in the week. Uh, I feel your pain, oh, brother. God. Pain. Yeah, that's yeah, Dan, both Dan of you in lockdown. Yours, was yours locked down, Dan, or before lockdown? Yeah, yeah, I got mine nicked out in front of the Sainsbury's on like day one of lockdown. I went to go panic buy some espresso beans and oat milk, and then I came out and my bike was gone. <laughs> Mate, that serves you right. What, that, what is that shopping list? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say, I mean, I wasn't in the best mental state. I can imagine that. you going to lockdown going, we're in lockdown, but hmm. At least I've got my bike. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the parts of beans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, bike yeah. class. Uh, uh, I've ordered a new one. Yes. Nice. Oh, that's going to be fantastic. Nice. Um, Seb? Yeah? Do you like playing the flugelhorn? Uh, I do. I do like it. Um, yeah. And I don't really do it enough, really. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got, uh, you know, things like I've got a very basic mouthpiece, just like a, a, one, like a one... F one C or something. Oh, it, it's, yep. it's a bit big. Like it's just the only one I've got. I, I'm mm. not at that point. I'm not at that level to like get one that I would really like. But I do. I really enjoy it. It's got it's just got another side to it. To Is it like? Um, do you find it quite an indulgent instrument? Because um, I find that like when when I pick up and play a bass trombone, I find it so much more fun to play than other things because the sound just goes so wide. And nice. Yeah. Whenever you, if you're sort of thinking, oh god, my sound feels a bit. Meh. I think it's a grass is greener thing, though, isn't it? Sometimes. I don't know. I mean, yeah. The, well, the, flugel, guess, yeah. the flugel makes a nice wide sound, but it, if everyone's playing loud, then you just you wouldn't you're not going to hear it. Yeah. It yeah. hasn't really got any edge like a bass trombone does. I just don't. I don't play much, and we've not really done it in this band at all. Really, that's mm. the only thing that we've we've really used it in. Oh, we did um, start of the first album, didn't we? Dicky arranged the. Um... Oh yeah, oh, the intro, the, the intro. Right. We did yeah. do that. Yeah, love below, love below. Yeah, that had a bit of flugel, didn't it? Yeah, but it's just sort but, of, um, of being quite basic coming to gigs, isn't it? But I do enjoy <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted just one of those sort of things that like sort of sounds nice, but maybe a bit of a pain to play on. Or I haven't like given it the time it it, it needs really to. Trumpet players quite often complain about uh, intonation on the flugel i think do they but yeah i, mean, I think I, I haven't noticed anything that any of that with any of the players in odb because they're all amazing <laughs> <laughs> i think say, often often say. like um if you're in a show and there's like a flugel in the show it's just like been there for years in the pit and it's dented and stinks mm. and like one of the valves doesn't work and it's just that, like the b's are always really flat or it's just they're just there because it's just it's just got sound different for like eight bars every now and again yeah it's not people often don't put a lot of thought into it yeah, yeah. Oh, um cool. but yeah well, i mean but you make it sound very good on right oh thank you well, actually my my one's my one's i think quite a nice one but i just i don't really spend enough time with it and i really should i do enjoy it um, sounded very good two days ago uh oh thank in, you uh in the bush hall about a meter and a half away from the bell yeah, listening to that very melodic sound of yours. Thank you very much. Yeah. The legal no, requirement, nice. the legal required social distancing. <laughs> Slightly more. Yeah. Slightly I was more at least now. a meter away from the bell of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a camera in between as well. Yeah. So we have uh, listeners. We were very lucky after being in lockdown for a hundred odd days, or 14 or 15 or 16 weeks, whatever it's been. Uh, we all met up Monday, um, which was a couple of days ago, and we recorded a live set without audience, no audience, but we recorded a live set over in Bush Hall. Um, 
for the Durham Brass Festival, the virtual Durham Brass Festival, because um, it's not happening this year, but we're going to go there next year um, to play live, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, and so we did them a short set. We did a, a set of all these eight singles that we're talking about now. Um, and it was it was brilliant. It was great to just get in a room together and play. And yeah, I mean, we got a good kick in the chops, but it was almost like we'd never been away. Like, you know, that's testament to this band. Like we were, it sounds very tight and the recording sounds great if we don't say so ourselves. But, you know, you'd expect after that many days away from each other and not playing in ensembles and whatnot for it to be very, very rusty. Um, but we were just very fortunate because we've done it so many times before that it all just clicked back into place. And it's quite emotional after the first run through, wasn't it? It was very nice to play Ooh, with you. Yeah. I've got to say, I really, um, I really miss being in the same room making music yeah. with, uh, with guys of your caliber, you know. Oh, we, we talked likewise. about it for ages, didn't we? About what it would be like to, to when the fir- we'd first play together again. And sort of without meaning to, that ended up being like a fully videoed occasion. So we have mm. this amazing thing to look back on now of like, it it really was this special moment in time where we just felt like we were back together again. And I don't know, it's, I mean, I've just sat there for two evenings editing it all together and um, just like reveling in the fact that we're all there together again. It's just brilliant. And it could have been that we decided to do something completely different as our first thing back together, but that's what we ended up doing. And I'm so yeah. glad that's what it was. Because didn't, yeah. didn't really ease ourselves back in, did we? No, no, at all. It's just like <laughs> let's just let's just play all these really massive songs in a row. <laughs> yeah, um, that, um, with a that camera in your of, face. The performance of Riot Van on that is is amazing. Like, it's just I think it's really really. I love I love the ending as well. Like, just mm. it's got that big jazzy. What what chord is that at the end there, Seb? Let's go into some technical harmony questions. Yeah, here. well that that chord, great I, steering, I think, Dan. I think it's a, a D major seven with a added nine. Oh yeah, in there, tasty. I was thinking about this because I, I think at the time, um, me and Dave and, and Barney, we'd been doing follies at the National Theatre, and there's got lo- oh, lots yes. of like big chords in it, uh, like that lush chords that were like sort of. It's a romantic kind of sound, isn't it? Um, even like the last note or the penultimate note of Follies. It's just a big sort of major seven chord. Do you know the one I mean, guys? You, you play the note, I think, actually, Barney, before the... I did the note, did I? <laughs> probably probably banging tune, was it? No, I, I mean, in Follies, you know... The, yeah, that's the... what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I don't know, I don't know. Um, he wasn't just playing a wrong note, was he? <laughs> I, can't, I can't even remember the last part. No, I don't part. know what, what, what degree uh, of the scale you're playing, well, but play, I, yeah. I just mean... It, Oh, follies, There's just man. things like that rat- rattling around my brain at the time. So it was just, yeah. I, I, the whole point with this this song was just to make it like a sort of mini short film, uh, telling <laughs> a, a story uh, and a romanticized story of a night out in. But Sheffield, e- even so. I love that that, that <laughs> this Arctic Monkeys project came in the time when we were doing follies, because then it came out like this wonderful Hollywood Sondheim thing. Whereas if yeah. it came out at the same time as you doing like. Uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something crap. <laughs> I can't think of any crap. I'm not going to... Uh, but you could have been doing, you know, you could have been doing Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, right? Um, We're depping on Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> something, <laughs> something, something really and, rubbish. And, um, and we probably wouldn't have had any more shows after the first show of, of Arctic Monkeys, but no. 
Good time. We went Hollywood. Oh, Sondheim. Sondheim and Alex Turner together. What a marriage. Oh, I know. I, I, I mean, I, I started the whole thing off. I, uh, so I, I added in like an intro section just to give it... Because originally it just starts out of nowhere on the track. Mm. It just goes, up rolls a riot van, doesn't it? It just starts yeah, like that. Um, so I stuck in a sort of intro just to set the scene. on the trumpets which give that sort of smoky sort of um, jazzy sort of sound mm. Miles Davis kind of thing basically this whole song I've just copied loads of different things um, and that's I think that's what all the best artists do right they all steal are you trying to right? say you're one of the best artists is that what you're <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm standing on the shoulders of giants that's what, that's what arrangements are all about yeah. but that's why yeah we're mm. arranging songs but um and I'm just, you know, get influenced by by so many different things. So the the, the opening is a sort of a bit like the video killed the radio star opening, mm. which is like ding 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 ding. Um, I hadn't thought of it like that before. Yeah, but right. it's also I okay. I wanted a bit of. Um, Are you saying that this is going to be our new wedding dance floor hit? <laughs> I think it could be. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. You have to take your flugel to every gig. Come now. on, Grandma, get up. It's get your big, turn to dance. Get a bigger kickback. Um, and also things like um, Bon Iver, um, there's a track called Lisbon, Ohio, which is the one before Beth Rest on, uh, on Bon Iver, the second album. Um, and it's like just a big, long sort of chorale type thing. And then it ends on this lovely major chord, that kind of idea. So I thought... So, I, so that's how it sets up. So then it's like this big, lovely major chord. And then it goes to sort of bossing over. Um, little mini groovy, groovy thing. Because the original song's quite short, actually. It's only mm. a couple of minutes. So I stuck in another bit where the trombones take over. Then I stuck in a key change. Um and uh for that i was listening to um uh there's a there's this really cheesy group called voctave voctive <laughs> and they do like acapella arrangements uh of, of musical theater and disney and stuff and there's a really good key change in one of their songs um being alive sondheim actually oh what a tune i love that tune From, uh, yeah, yeah, company, yeah. did you yeah what was that marriage story that was in recently Oh yeah, it's, that's sorry, right. Yeah, fantastic song. It's so good, and it's, it's a guy called David Phelps singing it. Originally, that doesn't have a key change in, but they stuck this key change in, which is basically uh, a key change of a major third up, which is, um, and I just I liked the sound of that. It felt like a real dramatic shift, so um, I copied that. Oh, it's very effective, very effective. And you were like, that's where I'll put the flugel away and get out the bark. Exactly. I always think that moment is jazz hands. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I always think that that moment reminds me of um, the works of Chris Hazel, who wrote The Brass Cats. Oh, yeah. Ah. Those big key changes. I I suppose there's a bit of piccolo trumpet in that. (laughs) 
at that stage. A bit of Mr. Drums. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, I mean, that is brass music we were all brought up with and educated with. I mean, just fantastic. Oh yeah. And it doesn't get old. It still comes out. Your wedding, Dave? Do you have it at your wedding? Um, no. Played it at someone's wedding. It was. But it could. Yeah. It comes out of weddings, you know. Music. It's just, it's you will, just great. You will certainly hear it at Westminster University. Oh, Kai's. <laughs> <laughs> it was at Kai's yeah. wedding. Oh, it was at Kai's wedding, wedding, wasn't it? Oh, oh is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. Also, um, another thing. So I added in then the ending. Now, this is something I really did steal. Um, what? The, um, the final... Because the last minute and a half or so is that doesn't exist in the original. So um, the last bit is... Is the chord sequence from uh, the fir- for the first time in forever from Frozen? Oh, yeah. oh, right. oh I don't know. Nice. The bit I that's like that. um, the bit where she talks about getting pissed in Sheffield. Elsa, get back in the fucking van! <laughs> Stop freezing his bollocks off. <laughs> um, the bit where she's like. For the first time in forever. Oh, for yeah. The first th- that bit. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it, I just sort of, I didn't, I, no, I did kind of totally steal it, but. Um, and why not? I, I'm, I, I'm sure they did too. Yeah, I, there's lots of things in there that have been using lots, all sorts of stuff, but I think when you listen to it, you don't you don't notice any of that stuff, and you know, like everyone's stealing stuff all the time. It's not of stealing, course. is it? It's just it's just influences, and and you know, I was watching um, I watched Hamilton the other day on on Disney Plus, and I watched a clip of Lin Manuel Miranda talking about um, one of the first the main songs in it, My Shot, and he lists so there's so many rappers he's he's referencing he's He's referencing by actual words he's saying, at, but or by by sort of rhythms that mm. he's singing. And I think that that's if anything in lockdown has taught me, uh, sort of going into it and going, oh, I really want to be creative in this time or whatever. And in the past, being um, if I wanted to create something, uh, sort of shut myself off from being distracted by other um, output by people and stuff. Compare that to in lockdown when I've actually just opened the the floodgates on my earlobes and i i i found an old radio alarm clock that i have never used before i bought i couldn't make it work and i found that put next to my bed and every morning in lockdown i've woken to half an hour of six music and it's just set my cogs whirring every day (laughs) and it is not a bad thing at all because i'd say six music has saved my life in this yeah i I saw you i saw you (laughs) got a tweet from lauren laverne the other day i heard that as well um Dan uh, Dan, Dan tweeted Lauren Laverne saying about, oh, thanks for playing Idols. And I I had just heard her play Idols and I saw Dan say, thanks for playing Idols. And then she was like, yeah, no problem or whatever. (laughs) I think I said, like, I was about to turn, I was going to turn the radio off to to play the Idols song. And then she just played it for me anyway. It just came on the radio. So it saved me all that effort. So I just tweeted it that and she was like, oh, yeah, we're on the same wavelength. That's right. You're the best. Yeah, it was nice. But I, I I do think there's not a problem, and with with that I think like, um, you know, authors. I read the Stephen King uh, on writing book, and he talks about if you want to be a writer, like an author, you 
you can't not read. You have to be a reader as well. And it's the same with music, yeah. listening to music and stuff. You can't just go around thinking that you're going to like be God's gift and whip up some magic that's nothing like anyone else ever before. Don't be such a big head, you know. Listen to everyone else and be inspired and bounce off of it and um, and and ho- pay homage as well. Like It's not... And that's what all this weird stuff with like you know, people getting sued and stuff for having the same chord sequences is a bit weird, isn't it? But like, it's like, come on, like, yeah. it, it's all, it's a big melting pot and we're all sharing ideas. I don't know. I mean, yeah, everything's I, I, been I think, done already. Like yeah. everything's been done by, by Bach or Beethoven. It's like, oh, that going up by a major third probably has been, has happened. By no, like I, did, I did it before Bach actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pre-Bach. I bet, I bet <laughs> Bruckner used to do all that sort of stuff. Didn't yeah. He? All that kind of. Well, it's just, he, he'd hit all the keys. He did giant steps before anybody. He did, he did all, yeah. He just like oh, to go all twelve a, keys. All he twelve to go keys. by a tone, just constantly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, chord, the chord elevator. I think <laughs> one of my teachers. <laughs> yeah, and if you're a trombone player, you're going cheers, pal. Thanks a lot for the chop. You know, your chops are getting knackered. Oh, <laughs> yeah, let's modulate up a up a whole step again. Like, oh, it's dead pal. easy on the organ, guys. Just get on with it. Look, I'm just going to put my fingers here, and then I'm going to put my fingers a little bit to the right again, and then <laughs> guess what? My fingers yeah. are going to go a bit to the right again, and oh, it's just it gradually really getting more and more painful for like the trumpet players and the orchestra, and they're on top D's and stuff. And anyway. Any top, any top D's in Riot Van? Were any I always knew D's? this was going to turn into a Bruckner slagging session. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, There's uh, yeah, there is a top D. The last note's top is D. Is there actually? Is that a top oh, D? concert top D? Who plays that? Do you have to play that, Dave? Or is it Seb? Do you take that on? Uh, top D's. No, I don't play that. I don't play the top D at the end. No, Freddie, Freddie plays the does, beautiful does top the D on the recording at the end. Um, actually, that was me. Yeah. Oh, clang! Yeah, that's right. Yeah, very nice. I thought Freddie did it. We we took one one run at it and you got it, didn't you, Seb? Yeah, yeah. It, well, it's not it's not in the part when we do it live because, uh, well, I don't know. I, I don't know why. I always just kept it as a top a top A or a top B for me. No, it's well, nice. take it all back, Seb. That was a beautiful top. Oh, thanks. At the end of but yeah, it, live I don't do it because um, it's in the middle of a. Uh, a really tough set of Arts and Monkeys tunes <laughs> and it's after really long notes. I usually haven't got, got the puff. Um, but when we did it in the recording with Barney, I was like, oh, it, I think it needs a top E. So, uh, so we stuck it in. But then when we did it a couple of days ago... Um, um, and it was only well, track six. That's quite. That's about the same as the Arctic's gig, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But Freddie was next to me. Um, and he can play top E's all day. So I just said, oh, Freddie, can you just do it for me? And he did. He's That's like, been yeah, his lockdown. Top D's all day, mate. <laughs> D-Day. Yes. So obviously I, I've sort of been influenced by lots of different things for this track, but it's it's then gone on to become something wholly new. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, very different from the original. And um, yeah, it's got its own sort of, sort of sound world and, I think uh, it's like one of those tracks as well like when we talked about Wonderwall and sort of yeah doing that we sort of said oh, well, if we do it you know like we talked about saying if you do it as is it's not going to be much fun it's not going to be good so then Dave took it by the scruff of the neck and turned it into the, the you know the roller coaster ride that it is you know really took it in and gave it its own you know, gave it a new lease of life um, and made it for brass. Something Funnily enough, brilliant. that Jerry Hay horn line was uh, Nick from a tune called Roller Coaster. Oh, 
See, we're oh, all yeah. at it. We're all naked. You gotta, you gotta cut you go. that out. Nobody can hear about that. <laughs> no, yeah. We've already talked about it. That's top, yeah, that's top we've, we've talked about that. Oh, okay. oh yeah. But, so it's like, like paying homage, Dan. We're paying homage. Don't sue me. Don't sue me. But I mean, this one as well. I was like, if we're going to do that in the middle, it could have just been a really sort of, you know, downbeat, dreary one, one minute interlude in the middle, but you've gone and taken it and just given it, you know, breathe, breathe life into it. And, you know, how many people come away listening to that album thinking, oh, I'm just going to, that's the track I'm going to cover off that album. Obviously we had to do them all, <laughs> but this one's one we've gone, ah, we'll put that on a, we'll put that as a single because it's just, no. you know. Yeah, well, I think, just I think Arctic Monk is, um, I think Arctic Monk has made a good start on the tune. Like all our covers. <laughs> <laughs> but I think when we were chatting about which, um, which tunes we should record, they were, yeah, that one just came up as something that was very different and, you know, deserves to be recorded because, you know, it's quite surprising for people, isn't it? I remember, you know, on the first gig, for yeah. the, you know, people are not expecting that, are they? And I think that's such a nice thing that the band started to do. They sort of really change tunes and you can just see the reaction from the audience. You know, they just don't expect any of it, do they? Mm. I, I think you're really right in what you're saying, Chris, about it living in that same kind of ballpark as Wonderwall. It's like felt on a it felt on like a different pedestal that it was like okay we're gonna we're gonna cover that one in more detail later for sure yeah. because it's so it's so kind of out of our uh comfort zone that we wanna kind of yeah try and you know reach it basically yeah yeah i I remember seeing uh, the faces of people in the crowd the first time we played it. <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> the, first five, the first five tracks are like, they're all just banging rock, rock and roll tunes, aren't they? And, uh, oh, didn't, like don't we close mom. the first set with it? Yeah, so we tell them we're going to go off. Yeah. yeah, We're going to go off for a, an enforced amount of time while they pour money into the bar. Who likes the West End? Yeah. <laughs> so like, here we go. Here's this uh, dance dance off to um we're gonna do this one and you can see people start to move towards the bar and you just think you wait this all this but the ones that were already too drunk to move (laughs) (laughs) they were like deer in the headlights i remember it they were like what is going on but it was very exciting i remember Mm. being quite inspired by that because it was it was the first time i think we've done something with that kind of audience where it was really it's kind of risky, you know, like it was totally, um, totally different than what the audience was going to expect. But then I think by, by the end, they had kind of the hair raised off the back of their necks kind of vibe to it. And as I said, they were very drunk. So yeah, it was, it was exciting. <laughs> yeah. I think those shows as well, it was quite interesting because the, the way it was marketed as well and the way the tickets sold very quickly, um, like the, the audience wasn't necessarily it wasn't like all our audience. There were people seeing us for the first, a lot of people seeing us for the first time. Uh, a, lot, a lot of those, those first Arctic monkeys gigs. Um, and so it was like, right, we're not only are we playing your favorite album, but we're a brass band that you've never heard before. All dressed in tweed. Um, just going to play this for you. And, you know, they probably didn't have a clue what to expect, but luckily, you know, we massively pulled it off. But yeah, there's a lot of pressure, wasn't there? Cause yeah. like you said, the way it was marketed, you know, it's just, what was it, four, four or six? Four, four the first, first time, yeah. Yeah, they just sold out. And uh, no one had heard it, so it could have been crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, 
<laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we were 100% riding on the coattails of four other fellas. <laughs> Nothing yeah. to do with us. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. But I think that it's a testament to the band that, uh, obviously, we're in lockdown now, but the venues were still asking for it to be played, what, what two years later or 18 no, months? Two, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it'd be two years in November, I guess, wouldn't it? I, think. Uh, I, I still think, maintain I think, it's my favourite kind of musical experience, I think, is to play that, you know, that one random album from, yeah. what, 10 years, 15 years ago? Is it 15 years ago? 2006, and, uh, isn't it? Yeah, 2006. So it's nearly 15 years old, and it's like, hear a brass band play it, but it's so exciting, it really works. Like, I, I, think the, I think the crowd always goes mad for that one, don't they? Isn't that mad? Like, I remember coming off after that first time we did it and just thinking, uh, well, I say, I said, I was like, we should, this should be what we do more than the other, the other sets we do. We should be doing mm. albums. And that's kind of the way it's gone now. We do like probably 50% album shows or maybe 60% album shows. I don't know. You, you guys probably know the, the figures, but, um, like we, we do a lot of album shows compared to like, um, party sets now. Um, and, and I, of course we're available for weddings that I, I, I just loved it because it's like, just this journey and the, the audience are on a journey. And also the audience are, are like, um, completely obsessed with that album. So like, we've already got them on side before we've played a note because <laughs> they're just mm. like, they, they're going to love it anyway. But yeah, very rewarding experience musically. Mm. But I think the whole band really had to step up for that because, you know, I think previously we've all shied away from arranging stuff, which is like repetitive guitar stuff or maybe even stuff that has got quite fast vocals in it. But, um, you know, it's just everyone stepped up and found other sort of divisive ways of getting around that, didn't they? You know, a bit more composition. Yeah. Things. Um, do you it's, agree? it's amazing to think back and go, why did we never arrange any of these tunes before? Like, yeah. They're all amazing songs. Like yeah. the stuff by strokes and arts and monkeys and and the killers like mr Brightside. these are these massive songs and we never we never did them i think we were put off because we were like it's guitar music it's just gonna be a lot of uh, oasis as well you know mm. it's just gonna be a lot of strumming which is gonna be not really gonna translate i don't know why we just didn't do it mm. and then we suddenly we, did we were all trying these to albums like, follow and our and own rules and like I think the yeah, way, yeah. yeah the we way proved we that we could arrange. just actually we're allowed to break the rules and it was and it works as well arrangement skills evolve yeah that's true and, yeah. yeah so there's our repertoire doesn't it the way we used to arrange it just didn't work doing guitar music because i think we we worked our way around it to make it suit the band you know to get to get that same energy and rhythm but not like literally what the guitar plays like not just a straight transcription yeah Mm. I think it also helps if someone says they're going to pay you some money to arrange it as well. It's kind of a pretty good incentive. <laughs> I think we're yeah. sort of forced into it. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it's also been good to get everybody in the band pretty much. Um, I think everybody in the band involved in arranging now. Because, yeah. you know, a couple of years ago, it was just maybe maybe half the band did arrangements. But now everyone's having a go. And, you know, everyone's, been, you know, everyone's just contributing... 100% more and it's fantastic everyone's in it together and also because you know because we've got such tight deadlines sometimes mm. we need all 12 of us chipping in with arrangements oh bloody hell yeah it's the only way I think to it's been it. really great yeah. for everyone to get involved but everyone does pull together don't they because it's quite tough isn't it sometimes to find the time to sit down to arrange for a 10 piece brass band but like I'd, you know I speak for myself sometimes I get an arrangement to a certain level and I think 
yeah, it's good, but to be honest with you, I need a bit of help here, so I'll send it to someone else, um, and then they'll send it back, and then I'll do a bit more work, and it becomes such a kind of collaborative uh, sort of mm. uh, process. Mm. And I think that's something mm. that's really improved the band as well, because I think before people were arranging and they sort of bring it to the first rehearsal, and it's like, oh, great, okay, so we'll, we'll play that one, and let's kick it, whatever. But now it's it's been been three three brasteds before it's even made it to a first rehearsal i think well yeah this project that arctic monkeys project really op- opened the door to like this whole huge collaborative the whole band kind of having a say and and like workshopping different different ideas in, in a rehearsal and stuff it was i think it really opened it it kicked us into the next gear i think musically because mm-hmm. we could you know it's like 10 well 13 brains are better than one aren't they mm. it was it was nice to um get back rehearsing again we'd got you know we'd got our show to a certain point you know and as, as you do when you're busy people you get you get a product to a certain point it's like right that's that done that's good and so we'd very rarely rehearse if we needed new material like it would occasionally someone would go oh, i've done this one let's give it a try and maybe you know we'd sort of blow it through in a sound check to see if it was good and then oh that's good let's try it in the gig or if it was rubbish, we'd probably forget about it. And or try to get in the gig and try to get the next gig. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's and still rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> but we're, this, stuck, we're stuck playing Get Lucky for like five years. That's like, it. No, yeah. And then oh, just doing yeah. this. Whose fault was that, Dan? Gone. Sound of the summer, mate. It's the sound <laughs> of the summer. <laughs> but this really pushed us on, didn't it? It got us back into the rehearsal room and sort of working with each other more rather than relying on just a sole effort of something to sort of extend the set. It's like, right, we're all now in it together. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, getting, it's just that rehearsing. You've, you find out so much more of yourself, I think, in a rehearsal room than you do anywhere else. And, I remember yeah. you saying, Chris, like um, everyone be bringing something in and then it's just immediately judged, you know, <laughs> by, by uh, there's no better motivation than, than thinking oh, yeah. about it. It's like, 11 other people that you know, yeah. listen to it and they're going to give me feedback on it. Yeah, so terrifying. That's it. Terrifying. So you put a rocket yeah. up everyone's, uh, what's it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah massively. And it, it made, cause we didn't have much time. We had limited rehearsal time. So you'd really, everyone would try and get everything done as much as they can on their own, but then pretty much without, um, any exception, I think everyone came away with some notes from each, each thing because oh, yeah. even just playing it through once you go, all right, I, I already know what's wrong with that. You just, you know, and sometimes you just need to play it through. Um, I was going to say about um, this project or all these album projects is that thing about um, uh, being creative within parameters can often be really useful because there was no, what we've had in the past about arrangements coming in and them not working or, or people not liking them or whatever is the argument of, well, I just don't think it's the right tune. It doesn't suit us, blah, 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 blah. Um, whereas with this, it was like, these are the parameters. We are playing these tunes. You have no choice. So that argument is out the window. So it meant everyone put their energies and um, kind of artistic thoughts and stuff into other things that were like much a much better use of time rather than saying, I just don't think it's our tune, which... Is a crap excuse, really. Well, I think these album shows have proved it's a crap excuse. The amount of uh, filler tunes we've had to we've had to write by doing strokes and killers. 
<laughs> There's a couple of fillers in there. <laughs> well, the, the last, the last third of both albums, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think parameters really help, uh, and and also I feel embarrassed now that I didn't love this album before we did it. I, it's one of my favorite things in the world now, but I just thought it was great. I thought it was good before. I thought it was fine. I thought it was good. You like you like Coldplay, don't you, Barn? I do like Coldplay. Yeah, I think I was too close in age when they came out that I found them. Um, I was in a band when I was like 15 and then they were 18 or something or 19. And I, f- I think I found them a threat. I was like, or, or it wasn't a threat. Cause I don't think my band was very good at all, but it was more of like, um, a, I was a cynical enemy reader mm-hmm. probably because I was very raging impre- jealousy. I was, yeah, exactly. I was an impressionable 15 year old or, or 16, 17 year old, whatever I was. And, um, and so any band that comes out and gets a lot of hype, you automatically go, well, so, well, well, they so good, and then yeah. and then I think they what headlined. They got that I don't got. I think they like headlined Reading like the year after that album came out, didn't they? And I was at that Reading, and um, I didn't go and see them. Didn't didn't bother. Oh, didn't watch idiot. them. And then, can you believe this? Yeah. And then, uh, um, it they just time and time again they would be be put on headline slots or, or they deliver another album, and it was and it's like it would be good and it get good reviews again. I'd be like, Oh, okay. Maybe I'll judge them too soon. <laughs> I remember I sitting uh, backstage next to Seb and he, he was slagging him off. We were at this festival. That was Glastonbury festival. Glastonbury. We were at Glastonbury and uh, yeah. we were sat backstage and Seb was going, oh, he's got some bloody poetry out in the Guardian today, is he? Oh, what's this poetry say? And then I was like, Oh, Seb, he's, he's sat behind you, mate. <laughs> Alex Turner and Alexa Chung were sat behind Seb while Seb was doing a a, a skit about <laughs> how crap his poetry was <laughs> well, well he, he picked it up after that didn't he, 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 he yeah that that's right well yeah that's right. he really right. helped his career along Seb he drove him on how yeah. many times did they headline Glastonbury now three times two times thanks to Seb can't remember um, Barney do you remember in 2005 at Reading Festival um, I remember walking in the main gates from the campsite and on the left, on the left is the Carlington. Yeah. And there's a big crowd around it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, who's on in there? And then someone went, oh, it's the Arctic Monkeys. Uh, they're like this new, this new band. And what do we go? Go and watch Marcus Brigstock at the comedy tent. <laughs> <laughs> and so, someone said they're a bit rubbish. And I went, oh, oh, okay. Never heard of them. Oh, man, that would have been amazing. That would yeah, have been I, incredible. I mean, I would, in this tiny yeah. little Carlington. I would say that that is probably... Oasis had that 1994 Glastonbury gig. 96? 94? 95. 95. 94. It was 94. 94. 94, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And everyone talks about that as being the making of them. Arctic Monkeys, Carlington, Reading, that was theirs. Because that proved, even if it was just to the Reading promoters that they were incredible, it meant Reading booked them for headline of the main stage the following year, which then made other promoters like Michael Evis and stuff go, well, we can do that at our festival as well. Mm. And... Yeah, Isn't I, it great to know we, we we were there for that? We, we were just, there, but we, just... we went and got a bag of chips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's one of my life's regrets. Oh, dear. 
I suppose it was MySpace, wasn't it? That made they made the Arctic Monkeys, wasn't it? Initially, yeah, they were MySpace, like, yeah, yeah. They were yeah MySpace, MySpace, MySpace babies, or whatever. MySpace, yeah, what MySpace, I mean. and Enemy, yeah. Mm. But but there's mm. the weird thing with Enemy that was like they would they would champion music and push music, but they also encouraged you to be cynical and slag people off. Mm. <laughs> and so yeah. I I was just uh, you know I was too young. I was just impressionable and taken with all that. But I did the same thing with the Strokes. I remember the Enemy bigging them up like crazy, and there's this, this band, the Strokes, and I was just like. Nah. They can't be any good. That's going to be rubbish. And uh, yeah, buried my head in the sand for their coming over to America and everything like that. But I did go and see them at Leeds in 2001. Like Glastow was having oh, a nice. fellow year. So I went and watched them, but I just sort of sat not paying attention to them, you know, yeah. playing probably the whole of this, is this it? And <laughs> yeah. uh, just like not enjoying it, you know, enforcing myself to not enjoy it. Whereas now that would be amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. They are yeah. They're incredible. It's just like, oh, well, you're an idiot. Why? But I do yeah. believe that if people, if bands or, or artists or whatever have the, the real true quality, it will come to you in the end. You will appreciate mm. it in the end. And, and you, there'll be that moment where, where you understand something or someone and, and then you get it. And so therefore, that that means that some acts that I think are bad are definitely bad. <laughs> like I I will never rave about Arcade Fire. I think they're fine. Oh, really? But I really? don't understand why they're headline acts. They're not bad. They're not bad. I think they're good. But yeah, I, I remember one it time doesn't... Dan Dan Trodden telling me in Weatherspoons at Baker Street, and he you know he, he was uh, he was quite pissed, and he said. Uh, <laughs> Oh, Arctic Monkeys, it's like they're art students, but they aren't even good art students. They're Canadian art students. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something i got to tell you, eh, man. <laughs> they're Canadian art students. Yeah, I, I really like them. I like what they're about. They've had some great albums. And... Did you say Arctic Monkeys? Oh, yeah, you, you said, said Arctic Monkeys, Monkeys man. Rather than that's why that was... <laughs> hey, start your anecdote again, Dan. Oh, right, yeah. sorry, yeah. Quick, yeah, I remember Dan Trodden, he was in uh, he was in Weatherspoons in Baker Street one time and he said to me, Yeah, yeah, Arcade Fire. It's like they're they're art students, but not even like good art students, they're Canadian art students. <laughs> I get it, I get it. <laughs> yeah. You can you can use the other Brilliant. version as well, it just sounds like I'm completely insane. Do not leave, do not cut that. Do not cut that. <laughs> I think use our use our initial reaction of three seconds of silence. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that that really didn't hit home, that one. I thought that'd be funny. (laughs) Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And... Don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Barney, we should talk about some producing, I guess, shouldn't we? Can do, yeah. So I guess this one, very jazzy. And, yeah, what, I mean, what did you do with it? What was your, what was your outlook for doing this track? Um, okay, so... This track was my, my, the first thing I turned to on like week one in lockdown, maybe even day one of lockdown. I was like, okay, right, I'm going to, I'm going to get this production stuff done for Brasters. It had all been recorded in January, February. And I thought, uh, 
Right Van is the one I want to start with because it seemed so beyond me. Well, it all seemed a bit beyond me because it was my first time producing anything. But Right Van in particular, I just felt like I had such a such a way I wanted a sort of distance that I wanted to take it because it deserved to be taken the distance because it is so good and everything. Um, that I just thought I needed to get a head start with that. Whereas things like um, what else did I do? Like it wasn't me. I, they're they're just going to play themselves in, in a in a way, and I don't mean that that it's a it's it's a, it's a simpler track or it has less vibe because it absolutely doesn't. But um, it's a raw, a grittier vibe. Whereas this was like okay through the recording process, which we'd already done and everything, but also the mixing and everything. I want to get this to a level where people are just like, whoa, that is classy because. I think that's what Seb was aiming for in his arrangement. Like he needed it to be classy, and we were looking for uh, two minutes in, two and a half minutes in, for it to just go Hollywood. For my first ever producing track, <laughs> that was quite a lot. That's quite. It was quite. It felt quite daunting. So I just got on with it, and in a way, I sort of um, cut my teeth with that track first of all, and uh, spent ages on it. Just day after day, just go, just day after day, um, basically learning how to to mix and choose takes and everything with that track. And I was sending stuff to Seb, and 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 he was he was liking it, and it was improving every day. And then and then I and then it all just went to pot. It all just went like I think I went to re-record a line on it, and like my logic um, just couldn't handle recording something new once I'd done so much work on it or whatever. But the wonderful thing about that was, was that I just started again and it was like, I'd done this training session in logic with this like, um, practice, uh, file of riot van. And I just started again and I hit the ground running. So we go back to follies again. Our friend, uh, Glesney Roberts, who, uh, played violin in follies with us as well um her other half jonas roebuck would do this the front of house sound every night in the show and we always just loved this amazing haunting piano bit where i mean the whole show is just haunting and sad but there was this piano bit that had this reverb on and we were just like what is that that is amazing and it turned out it was this plugin called Valhalla Reverb, and I think Johnny might have talked about it. Uh, I'm sure he's talked about it, but um, uh, like so, I decided to get this Valhalla Reverb, and um, I just wanted to make Right Van, particularly Seb's flugel. <laughs> in the earlier part of the song, I wanted those to have like a reverb that was just like, I am in Ronnie Scott's right now. Mm-hmm. I'm in Ronnie Scott's and um, there's no, there's no, there's nothing artificial about it. I want it to be as real as possible. It's even better, mate. It's like it's in a jazz club. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'd, I'd say actually Ronnie Scott's is quite dry. Uh, well, I, I've not played them. It's dry, but it's I've, large. I've so imagine there. standing at the, at the back, which is where I, basically the only place I've ever really stood is at the back of the bar. Um, yeah. Like it still, it still rings through. Like 
mate, the sound you've got is like the Vanguard Jazz Club in New York, like downstairs when you could you used to be able to smoke down there. Like that's the sound you've got, like an old seventies <sighs> like like velvet all over the yeah that's what i wanted that was the thing with like approaching this as very much a novice producer um audio producer like um i knew what i wanted i didn't know how to get it um and so it just took a lot of fiddling but that's what that first dry run of trying to do right van was about and then it all crashed and fell apart and i just i learned i learned to get where i sort of wanted to get various things and then it meant i could just hit the ground running um but yeah so Valhalla was was really useful with that, um, and so Seb's flugel is has it has it is it on its own reverb track. It's just like uh, yeah, heavily like there's a lot of reverb on that, um, and and there's specifically a lot of reverb on Rick's snare hits as well, um, and then and and there's a general bit on on the band, but like. Uh, yeah, not not as much as Seb. And like we when we recorded Seb, um uh we we turned we had the gain really high up and Seb was just like basically whispering this thing into the mic. Like it, it would be a miracle that it even spoke sometimes. That like so we had a very hot sound, like a very hot mic, but Seb was not playing much. And for that to carry over uh, attempt or you know nine other players in the band meant that like your levels are all off and you have to kind of um yeah kind of really think about the thing about your levels with all that stuff so like that was a bit weird you have this like whispering soloist over the top of of other brass players who aren't whispering in their instruments mm. um but yeah so yeah that 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 was that uh, to sort of went a bit away from your question maybe but like well, i just that's think that's the beauty about production though, isn't it the fact that you can do that you can have sort of said getting that tone whispered, yeah. but you can still have that heard in a in a produced track like that. Yeah. I think by the time we did Riot Van, I felt really confident that we were going to get what we wanted um, because when we first decided to do these tracks, uh, some of these tracks around mine, um, we uh, Seb came around and we did like a testing day um, on with the mics We and we just did a test run of like Bad Guy and part of bad guy as we've briefly mentioned before <laughs> we still haven't done a podcast on bad guy we really done <laughs> but we tested this idea of like hot mic whispering brass sound um and and that and that's a very similar thing to what we we used with the flugel there in in right van but yeah so i think i think the go, going into my first production stuff with with right van i just i really knew what i wanted it to sound like and i just spent weeks learning how to get it there <laughs> mm, you weren't going to stop until you got it yeah That's and i good. i my early lockdown for me was another beast it really like i didn't get to do other people's lockdown till till the seventh week because i just tormented myself with especially especially when it all fell apart that file i just didn't know what i didn't know what i'd done i think i i think i experimented too much with um flex uh is it called Seb? Auto flex. Flex time. Flex time. Flex time. Oh my god! Yeah. It is just just no. Uh, I mean, the odd note it's useful, but it's where you pull notes around essentially. Um, anyone who doesn't know, but like, it's I, better just to cut cut the notes. It's out better. It's 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 better just to uh, have it real and raw and yeah, correct yeah. and and that is why, like. It just you know it doesn't hurt to just get the takes and you know I, I try to prescribe somewhat to Johnny's 
suggestion of of the rule of three and Rick's as well. Rick records it like that. Some the, you know sometimes there's extra takes are done, and and when you have those options, it's nice to be able to cut to just a different take that works rather than artificially splice things around. We've got something amazing that we do on stage, so why not organically let that be represented in the in a in a produced record as well? Rather than you know we can all you know it's like data entry. If I was to place all your notes in the exact spot that they're supposed to belong in and then and then we release it it just sounds like a um like a sibelius midi file um so it's it's way cooler when uh when i didn't use that so i learned that one i just wanted to, i don't know sorry it's not on production but i wanted to mention the uh the appearance of the dan west sound in in riot van as well yeah there's a yeah there's a bit that floats in there because you know, obviously like they've got your tenor bones on yeah that small small bars and it you know that's even further away from the sound that we're getting of course and still on a big fat nice round bass trombone sound and you know dan comes in and it's such a kind of lovely warm mellow sound it's like um what's that guy called dan is it george roberts is that right oh there's a yeah there's a bass trombonist from la called uh you know rest in peace george but he's maybe the best bass trombonist of all time but you know he's kind of famous for that very mellow, mellow tone, right? And uh, I think you do a good, pretty good George Roberts impression impression there. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you. Very I think much. I think so. Well, that's all flex time. It's amazing. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's, <laughs> but the yeah, actually the bass the bass trombone uh, the sort of the treatment I, that I put on that was like really exciting to do for me actually because it's often the one that gets sort of I feel that it's the thing that gets neglected in our live gigs that the, the bass trombone is a very specific beast and it sits really like, like bang on it sits in the middle between trombones and tubers. It isn't one or the other and it often gets grouped either as one or the other. And I really enjoyed the chance with these tracks to just get the chance to let it completely like be its own beast and um give it yeah give it it's this chance to like because dan's sound is so beautiful and mellow and uh that can often mean that a, that a front of house person doesn't turn it up enough or it, it's not heard and they might not notice it's there you know, yeah and that's or, or just thinks he's not going to have a solo which is obviously not the way we arrange we we do arrange uh, for you to have solos and stuff, so you've got this beautiful solo in this, in this, and um, uh, so it was a ch- yeah chance to like really beef that up and just let you just float above everyone else. And it's a bit, it's like the flugel thing. Like these things aren't naturally, you know, they're not they're not in the same kind of league as like a, a soprano soloist singing. Of course, they're going to be heard. Of course, a lead trumpet player is going to be heard or whatever. These things are lower and mellower, so you get to like play with the mix to let these. Well, I think l- on the uh, you know the original track, there's like this nice kind of trem sounding, like kind of low baritone sounding, like like a Telecaster or something like really rich sort of. Yeah, well, guitar solo. What we ended up pairing with it then is the um, when we uh, we got James Noel to add perks because we by the time we wanted to have perks we were fully in lockdown um and james nor who we recorded our our drum kit takes at his studio he he's he obviously had the capability to um record some percussion for us because it was the only way we were able to get these tracks finished um and 
Oh, I'm so glad he did because obviously he's got like a proper vibraphone set up and glockenspiel and everything else he he put on the four tracks that I did it was so so great. But yeah, so in your solo, we have this like, uh, and it's a yeah we have this this doubling octave unison of like um, there's some vibraphones doubling you and then halfway through they dub they come in an octave up as well, and the whole time glockenspiel is like two octaves up doubling so it's still your solo promise but oh, we just so we nice just definition we just nice like enrich this this texture with just these um these vibrating vibraphone things and 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 they were vibrating but they almost weren't vibrating enough so i i had i i need to say i had amazing help from johnny in this whole process because i was well i am a novice um and i feel like a little bit less of a novice now i've done these four tracks but I'm a novice, and so I had to speak to Johnny about a lot of stuff, and he helped me a, a lot. And I wanted our tracks to marry up um, in in their in their kind of sound worlds to some extent. Obviously, we are we we have our own ideas, and they're going to go in in different ways. But I want them to like you know these we've kind of batched these as eight eight singles together. We wanted them to not sound completely different. Um, so Johnny talked about using uh, the the wow and flutter. Uh, thing on the Kramer tape uh, waves plugin, um, and so I put a bit of the wow and flutter uh, on on the vibraphone there. So it just had that just, and then you get that tremolo thing that you're talking about, Dan. Um, and yeah, just te- textures, yeah. man. <laughs> those um, those vibraphones we added in at the top as well, and sort of they come yes. in in and out throughout the song, and it just. It's a really nice thing that we, we would never be able to see live oh, because yeah. vibraphones are blooming massive. Um, we just about manage a Glock, don't we? Just about a Glock, yeah. But um, the vibraphones really just, they kind of, they like fill in all the gaps, don't they? It's just kind of, it's like pouring um, hot butter on top of onto yeah. something. Yeah. It's like cream cheese icing. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, but it, wow. it, but then but it, I, I would it weirdly like the Glockenspiel before I, I felt could I could I could slightly poo poo. I was like, ah, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. But then it comes into its own once it exists on with that bed underneath it. Suddenly, the Glockenspiel is like this gorgeous maraschino cherry, right on top mm, of it's Christmas. It's Christmas, and um, <laughs> and actually, there was a, there was I think there was some issues. There was some issue. There were some like issues with, uh, like the takes or something I'd, I'd had in one particular section of the Glockenspiel from uh, James. I think it might have been they just sounded a little bit pitchy. So um, I ended up playing playing them in for like two notes uh, in on like uh, on my MIDI keyboard. There's like two Ooh. notes that are fake Glockenspiel, but. Bloody hell! It's a nice, cut, cut it's a out, nice sound. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, we needed a couple of notes, didn't we? We needed a couple of notes, and um, uh, yeah, there's just I, I just I don't know if there were particular fan, particularly fancy ones that we had or something, but I, I just this Glockenspiel I managed to have on Logic just sounded quite nice, and it sounded the same as everything else James recorded. So I don't really know why we use James at all, to be honest. Could have done it all myself, you know? Oh, 
Dave Hopkins, you're a musical theatre trumpet expert, aren't you? It's quite a lot of musical theatre type sounds in this track. Queen um, of the West End. Um, oh yeah, West End Wendy. He's <laughs> a Wendy. Well, we started off with, we were instructed to use some Harmon mutes. So as we touched on before, we wanted to go for a real sort of nice, warm, jazzy sound, which is quite hard in one of the harshest mutes you can put in your trumpet. But... Um, so the way we approached this was we gave a lot of attack on the first note and then um, came away from the note and then warmed into it so we put a nice bit of vibrato on the end of the note uh, for each of the um, uh, bell-like effect trumpets at the beginning and trombones actually I I think I believe I've got the technical term for you if you want Dave yeah go on hocketing hocketing yeah, Ooh, it's called hocketing. That's the technical term. Technical term for attack. Come away uh, for 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 bell effect. Bell effect. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Then, oh, that's a lovely word. Yeah. So hocketing, used, by, yeah. used a lot a, by the like hugger. Used a lot by the LSO brass section. I I've been told by yeah. by C bass who goes in there a lot. <laughs> Oh, oh, we do that a lot of work, actually. <laughs> <laughs> when we're, when we're then, in the office, really warm into it. Yeah. Yeah, into the third valve. Um, actually, yeah. that w- that was a particularly tricky thing with the producing because obviously everyone's uh, idea of that is different, and everyone recorded on a different day and came with their approach being slightly different. So then, when you try and piece these things together that should be essentially identical bell effects, one quaver after another, it's quite hard to find matching things that 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 work, but. So Seb just ended up doing them all. In fact, no, Seb, no, no, Seb, no. Seb we, we, every absolutely didn't do that. Track, uh, yeah, I did we, it all. We're fooling everyone. No, it's it's, it's, it's ab- absolutely as as it was supposed to be. But it was it was it was tricky. That took some work. Yeah, well, I suppose because, that's like a difficulty in, in yeah recording this way, isn't it? As opposed to everybody being in the same room. You know, this, you know, this yeah, but it, that, that's fine ways. when 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 um, arrangements are quite like thought out in a, in a quite a linear way so if like dave's got every note in a so in a tune for eight bars fine he's got the same treatment for that whole eight bars mm. but when a, uh, when four bars or eight bars of tune is is divided up between eight players on every note like whatever that is right that means there's a different there's a different approach on every note every quaver like so suddenly like you've got a lot of work to do just in the space of two bars it's a bit it's a bit mad if all the musos were in the same room you'd just have a quick chat about it wouldn't you say right this is how we're doing it this take lads but um yeah with this approach you can't do that. that's right yeah yeah and that's everybody has a different kind of tonguing or articulation approach everyone sounds a little bit different don't they yeah absolutely yeah 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 Um, and because you can sort of yeah we, we tried to yeah we need to just make it a bit more we tried to make it a bit more uniform when we played live, you know, constantly talking to each other, saying, you know, put a bit more tongue on that, a bit more front on that, mm. hammer it. Uh, which I think really what that opening needs is just, as it's in a mute as well, you can get away with mm. hammering it with the tongue a bit more and not, you know, yeah. not sounding too harsh. Was it, was it stem, stems in or stems out? Stems out, baby. Stems, stems out, out, full on miles, yeah? Well, stems removed. Stem. Stem removed. Ooh. Stem oh, yeah. out is is the most uh, 
vague term. Misunderstood. Yeah. Term. Misunderstood. <laughs> Sons stem. Mean, do you leave the stem out? Like still in, but out. In stem the removed. Sensor. Sensor stem. Extended. If people don't really know what we're talking about, it's a typical trumpet harmon mute, which has a stem which kind of comes in and out to change the sound. Imagine a very yeah. large mouthpiece shoved in the bottom of your bucket. <laughs> For those that don't know what a mouthpiece is, yeah, yeah. Um, or a trumpet bucket. Imagine a spoon with a yeah. hole in it. Pause this now and go and Google everything we've just said. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you so with the, those harmon mutes when you're playing live? Do the do the mics that we have, the clip-on mics, they fit around them? Yeah, so you can get the the. Uh, yeah. You just need to pull it away from the bell a bit and then stick the mutes in. But the, the problem is that. You know, you don't want to put it too near the hole of the mute because then you just get this muffly sort of sound. Well, th- this this is the uh, even the other day, uh, sort of sorting out these tracks for the live set we did of, uh, for the YouTube thing is like clearly some people have their mics slightly close to the hole than other people, so there's like an imbalance. Specific, I mean, specifically in in that Harmon bit, like it is a tricky bit because that we just shy away from mutes in live gigs generally because of it does get quite tricky logistically to make it work. But yeah, it's in this track, so we've got to live with it. <laughs> also, I'd say particularly like coming out of Follies was like being more. I, I've never been more aware of like groove and something sitting properly, and that was really important with this, like. Just it really, you know, just everyone being tight and not like sort of just sitting back on it and stuff. Um, it was really important to get the vibe right. Yeah. Follies was amazing. I came to see it. You guys were brilliant. Um, oh, cheers. It was slightly ruined by the fact that those chairs in the National Theatre are so uncomfortable. Oh, like, really? I spent the last like 30 minutes oh. just fidgeting around trying not to my, my legs to go dead i don't know it's just yeah they're horrible there's no horrible interval in that show no <laughs> no i say it was on the front i wasn't doing it but said was and i went and watched it and uh oh. i had three pints of beer and i went in and oh, then dear. it got about an hour and 45 two hours in i was like this is uh this isn't <laughs> stopping really i think we're into the finale here <laughs> <laughs> I need a week. Oh yeah. god! But yeah. it was it was actually okay. But um, uh, I guess I was a younger man then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could hold it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Dave. What were you going to say about Bacharach? Bacharach. Not much else really, to be honest. Um. I suppose. Um. I always think of the track. Do you know the way to San Jose? Um. Uh, that always gives me that sort of oh, well, inspiration. Well, 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 well. That that sort of uh, trumpet style. Um, go and listen to that track. Is that a trumpet? Is it? Tr- oh, yeah, it's quite a wide trumpet sound on that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that and um, uh, Herb Alpert as well. That's another classic yeah. example of that style of playing. Yeah. Yeah. Herb Alpert. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry, it popped up. The Carpenters. Uh, who who played on that? Um, Why do birds suddenly? Oh, I don't know. Bow, bow, what's the uh oh the the um the original casino royale music 
Seven I um seven I picked up a uh a hire car, Chrysler three hundred, in a New York basement parking lot once, and that was the first tune we put on. And Seb bunny hopped all the way to the exit because he'd never driven automatic before <laughs> until until his thirtieth bunny hop was going to launch us into like Fifth Avenue. He was like, I've only got one bunny hop left and and the whole time this bloody casino right out going <laughs> and I was like yeah. Seb, if you do one more, we are going to crash into this oncoming lorry. So then he just got out and got in the back seat. <laughs> he was like simultaneously pressing the brake and the yeah, accelerator. Yeah, he's like, okay. yeah, yeah. He thought he's like using the brake as a clutch. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot. Like, he was like, but I really wanted to drive down Fifth Avenue. He was like, yeah, you're fucked, it, mate. <laughs> you have yeah. not passed the audition. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, good. Remember that song. Who did the driving? Ian Maxwell. No, I took over at that point. I think Ian uh, Ian took over at the Jersey Turnpike, point, point. New Jersey Turnpike. Maximilian. And then he and then he drove us to Tony Soprano's house, obviously. Um, the other uh, sort of trumpet influence here, which we did. We kind of actually talked more about that in the production process was um, trying to create a similar sound to what Ibrahim Malouf does. Ibrahim Malouf, he, he often on, on his, um, on his tunes, um, he'll be playing the trumpet and then he'll have a sort of like the Supremes of trumpet behind him, like a sort of a backing choir of like three or four guys um, playing, playing trumpet as well. But but um, creating this, they're they're, sing, they're playing together, um, almost like a little, just a little, a little section. Uh, there's no edge to the sound. It's just, it's almost like a little cornet section behind him, and they sort of he plays something, then they play something that they play what he's just played in the gaps. So it's like a sort of Greek chorus type thing. Um, I don't know if I'm explaining it very well. Maybe Barney you should say it. Better, uh, does that make sense? What? They're usually all in. Yeah, they're all in unison. Yeah, does that makes sense. They're all in unison. Is what they're all in unison. Yeah. yeah. You said they're playing together. Exactly. They're they're in unison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So it's all. It's almost like a gospel choir. Yeah, that, that's it. And it's like yeah, it's like the, the more the more that you have, and he has like four or three or something. The, the more and similar to us, but the more that you have, the more body of sound you have, which means yeah. none of them have to like give as much raz, mm. and so you just get this like rich. We've talked loads in the other podcasts about yeah, about yeah. unison trumpets, right? That there was this moment; it was like this uplifting moment where I just, just whenever we get to it, I just envision the words Hollywood. Like that's what <laughs> I see in my eyes because it's just that sound. I don't. Is that like what era? What era is that? Like nodding to Seb? Uh, is this like when I, we asked Johnny? About <laughs> <laughs> no idea. <laughs> The, the the golden age is this right after your massive key change up a major thing? Oh yeah, that's about. proper. Yeah, the that's not the bit Boom. I mean. Oh, what do you mean? Ah. it's where I, it's the next bit right oh, the build up. Oh, you're talking about the, the question and answer bit. Yeah, okay. No, yeah, that's so when those on, lower trumpets are sort of giving me the it's a question and answer bit, it's that's yeah, it's quite near the end, yeah. So that that's ah, the bit that's nice. like the sort of Ibrahim. But before Malouf that was the big Hollywood 
keychains that you put in, Seb, where the yeah. trumpets are in unison. Yeah. And it's like what you were saying earlier, Seb, but like this song just encapsulates mm. all sorts of styles and everything. So the, initially, we're doing... Sorry, I'm just going to eat my sweet. No, we're waiting. <laughs> Someone brand. Keep that, keep that in. Someone brand. Yeah, He's yeah. trying to talk, but you've got sweets in his mouth. It's just... It. <laughs> right. So initially, in the song, we're dealing with, like, probably the most subtle playing that we would ever do in The Brastards, and dealing with that as a as a arrangement and a mix and the production of it and then just only two minutes later we're dealing with maybe the biggest noise we've ever made in a way in terms of like it's just like balls out hollywood yeah it's like how do we get to that it's such a journey (laughs) it's such a journey but we're dealing with so many different styles and approaches within one song um but yeah that that key change with the unison trumpets is just another another like smashing way that 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 gets used i think yeah, I see. Yeah, that that absolutely right. Yeah, the, it's a different color when you've got two. I think two or three trumpets yeah, playing three that trumpets. line together. Yeah, everyone's playing. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It, it's yeah. So I, I I was talking about something else before. You're talking about the bit after yeah, right. the Greek chorus bit, which is which yeah, is yeah, another. Yeah, yeah. Again, we move on to another thing. Yes. section after section you've just got such an imagination set it's really wonderful oh. yeah so um there you go i, I think we've, we've we've delved deep it's um, a deep dive it's a deep dive into oh don't don't slag it off now we're done <laughs> <laughs> that beginning though like the start like the notes i have at the start there's such a they're on such a knife edge that every time it starts you've just got that bit in your head it's just like don't do not split this. It's going to stick up like yeah, any split. I, is going to stick up like an absolute <laughs> sore thumb. I've got to get my pitch split. like really heavily in my brain. Like I have to be an E flat. About Chris, the Chris has got that. like quite a nasty note. I think G, definitely nastier. Yeah. Ugh, yeah, yeah, that's nastier yeah. than super, mine. Super E flat <clears throat> in the bass trombone. Yeah, yeah really. Oh, high, sick. really this, high is sick. <laughs> this is sick. This is sick. It's definitely splittable. That one for sure. Yeah. Like, it's up there with Beethoven nine. <laughs> but it's the first it's the first note of the whole thing of this like kind of magnum opus of uh, of Sebastian Philpot and you're like oh <laughs> we, we, we want to start it off on the right foot splia <laughs> I'm ready to get the vib going as quickly as possible yeah, just in case away. that split comes out like Pew! Dave what, um, what what vib are you using chops valve or, or yeah. chops chops vib mate or chop valve or chop um, I thought of another thing I nicked uh, from the end the very very end. Where that comes back again. Um, oh yeah, and I'm holding a long top note. Oh yeah, and everyone's going. That last chord is, it's like a. Oh, I should look up what it is. It's like um, a really crushy chord, but that's from Book of Mormon. Which is the same, same composers as Frozen. Yeah. What song well, the very is it? last chord it, of the yeah. piece. Yeah. What song did I nick from? I, if you want to know the, any the, facts the, about the, any music ever, just talk to me and Seb. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's from the penultimate chord. Oh, the right, penultimate yeah, chord yeah. of Right Van. 
Let me. I'm just looking it up now. Hang on. Um, can you play this chord for oh, us? Oh yeah, I can just do it. Um, see if this works. Can you hear that? Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's very similar, yeah. So it's the, um, that penultimate chord is like, um, is actually, I think it's like, say we're in D major, I think it's basically like an E flat chord on top of a D. Um, and then it resolves to the D. Um, let me just play you the, um, uh, the first time in forever as well, see if you can what, hear. E flat? <laughs> see if you can recognise the ending. That, this is it. And then it's different. Wait, so could, that, can you do it again, but can you sing right van over it? Because I don't understand <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> uh, okay, guys, this is an exclusive. <laughs> Into hour three of the podcast. Okay, right. Let me try it. <laughs> No, that's all right. That's it, mate. That was lovely. Oh yeah. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. Fantastic. That is it. That's it. That's music. Boring. That's music. Wow. Amazing. Surely that's where we wrap it up. <laughs> oh, I thought we were just getting started. So that was, yeah, so that was Riot Van. Um, great to talk to you all about it. It's been lovely. Um, this brings us to the end of our series of podcasts, talking about all eight of our singles. Um, go, and, go and listen to them all. You'll buy them if you want. Um, there's the lovely live recording show that we've just done that will be out in, 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 in the internet somewhere for you to watch. Um, but we would love to come back and do more podcasts. We need to have a think about how we're going to do them. I mean, I'd like to get to know all of the people in the band. I think there's stories there, but, you know, let's see how that goes. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll think of a way and uh, um, hopefully come back to you all. But for now, um, thanks so much for listening. If you've done all eight of them, thank you again. That's amazing. Um, and hopefully we will uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be podcasting for you all very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. 
Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.